Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. Amen. Well, thank you for that. And uh, it's lovely to be able to share with you, especially uh, City Beautiful Church, and uh, to work with Ryan and the team, and to get into one of the, the most powerful part of the Bible, which is the Sermon on the Mount, and today's study. If you can put the slide up of that little poem. This poem was written over 100 years ago, and it really sort of brings to a point the idea of the passage that we're looking at today. So said the robin to the sparrow, uh, I find it hard to read this, I should really like to know why, there, why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. So in this passage, uh, Jesus says to consider the birds uh, of the air. And he's asking us to be bird watchers, to look at nature and to learn some things that we're going to get into. But three times in the passage, uh, Jesus says, do not be anxious. And he says many things in the Sermon on the Mount that are, uh, seem impossible to us. The whole theme really of the Sermon on the Mount is that his disciples are to be different from the religious uh, extremists that were around them and from the pagans that surrounded them, that they were to live a different quality of life and that they were to do that in such a way that it would be attractional. The church has to be different, yes, in the world and partaking of the activities in the world, but have a different moral standard, have a different attitude, uh, move to a different spirit and to be attractive then to the world and to draw the world through them uh, to Jesus Christ. So the Sermon on the Mount begins with the Beatitudes and it says that if you, you need to have this kind of attitude if you're to be an apprentice of Jesus. And then you can be the salt of the earth, but that salt must have quality. And you can be the light of the world, but that light must be available to be seen. And then he goes on in chapter 5 to mention ways in which our goodness, our righteousness, our standard of justice must be higher than that in the world. You're not just keeping the law by uh, not committing murder. Instead, we must take of our, care of our hearts and not commit adultery. You're not just keeping the law by avoiding adultery, but instead you must guard against lust and all sorts of perversions that arise in our hearts. We must be people who speak the truth. We don't have to go into elaborate oaths to convince people because they should know our character and our yes should be yes and our no should be no. And of course, we should learn to love uh, not just our friends and the people who are like us and our family, our neighbors, but we should learn to love even those who hate us and persecute us. Try to love them into the kingdom of God. And chapter 5 ends with Jesus saying, Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now that's a challenge that gets out to us. And then in chapter 6, 
uh, Jesus again continues this contrast. Don't be like those people, but be different. He talks about generosity. Don't be ostentatious in the way that you give just to be seen by men. Uh, instead, give secretly, give generously, but do that so that you'll make a difference in the world and that that's something between you and God. Don't just pray loud words in order to be seen as a professional believer to others. No, instead, pray privately and put the priority on the kingdom of God. Your kingdom come, your name be honored, your will be done on earth. Put the priority there before we look at the uh, personal needs that we have for our daily bread and for forgiveness and for protection. Uh, and then, of course, on fasting. We're in the season of Lent, and that might be something we think about, is to separate ourselves uh, from the constant demands that the world puts upon us for food and for clothing, as we'll talk about, and for uh, entertainment, and perhaps to say, I can break free for a while from these things in order to concentrate my time and my effort on God and to test myself that I'm really living uh, detached from, from these pressures that are around me in the world. And then uh, it continues in chapter 6 with the passage that we have today. And Jesus says, don't set your treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt and destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Instead, set your treasures in heaven. The Christian is someone whose focus is not on gaining wealth and success in this world. It might come, but it's not our focus. Instead, our focus is on serving the kingdom of God. Anything I can invest in and do for the kingdom of God is my joy and my pleasure. And then he says, um, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and, and money and wealth. Doesn't mean that Christians aren't to be responsible of money. We can earn all we can, we can save all we can, and we can distribute all we can. We have to be good managers of the resources that God gives us. But that's not the way that we measure the success of our life. Not by the status that we have, not by the wealth that we acquire, not by the gadgets and the things that we have around us. These are not the measure of our life, and these can easily destroy our life. So then we get into the passage that I want to look at, and you can put that slide up, which is about worry. And um, different translations of the Bible uh, use different words. The, the authorized version, King James Version, says, take no thought. But that's not a very good a translation, really, of the Greek. Others talk about worry. I've chosen the ESV here because it talks about anxiety. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat and drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Three times in these next few verses, Jesus says to us, do not be anxious. And the first thing he's doing is, saying, is an argument really from the greater to the lesser. And the greater is the fact that Jesus has given you your life. Everybody on the planet has been given their life by God. Uh, but we have received life as a gift from God. Not just the physical body that we, he's given us, 
but the opportunity to explore life and to enjoy life. And that's a great gift that we've been given by God. So if God gives us the greater thing, which is life itself and the body itself, will he not also take care of the lesser things, which are the things that we are to eat and the things that we are to wear? Wouldn't make any sense if God took care of the greater thing, but didn't follow up by taking care of the lesser thing. And that's very important. And we shouldn't worry. That's also another way of translating it, to be anxious or worry. The English word to worry comes from the German word, uh, meaning to strangle or to choke. And the same Greek word is used in the parable of the sower of the seed, uh, where some seed is, falls among the thorns, and the thorns grow up and choke it so that it can't be fruitful. And anxiety can feel like that, can't it? That we are uh, being choked out. Uh, the joy of life is being sucked out by the worries and cares and anxieties that we have. Uh, I don't know about you, but this has been a very stressful year, basically for everyone on the planet. Uh, we know that over 500,000 Americans have died in these last 12, 13 months uh, from the COVID pandemic. That's more Americans died from this disease than died in the whole of World War II and the Vietnam uh, War. And millions more have suffered and still continue to suffer, even though they're very slowly on the way to recovery. And not only that, of course, but we've all been restricted and shut down. We, uh, many people are working remotely from home. Many kids are being homeschooled. Uh, and working remotely with their schools. Uh, we've not been able to go out to enjoy the restaurants and parks and activities the way we would want to. And we're anxious for ourselves, and we're anxious, of course, for the people that we love, our elderly relatives and friends. And uh, this anxiety that we have, I put it to you, is made worse by the immediacy of the media that we have. We all get the news instantly in little short bursts from our, our phone and for text and from Instagram and from different things uh, from the internet. And this can be add, I believe, to our anxiety instead of take away from it. Do you know in the 1990s there was a steady decline in the number of murders that took place in America, perhaps because the economy was doing much better, but there was an increase in the reporting of murders. Why is that? Because the media knows that if it bleeds, it leads. Bad news is what sells, what grabs attention. And those who market things to us always start by putting fear into your heart. If you don't get this latest product, you're going to be deprived and you're going to suffer in some way. So we've got the answer. And they create fear in order to sell us some kind of a product. And that all leads to build up our anxiety. We're anxious about many different things. When I was uh, a theological student in the 1970s, back in London, uh, got a, we got a phone call to the college from my mother, who's in Londonderry, back in Northern Ireland. And it's difficult to phone in those days because there's just a payphone in the corridor, and you call the payphone, and they run around trying to find the person that's needed. So it's not an easy thing. But she called to find out if I was okay because there'd been a riot in London 
uh, at, at a place called Notting Hill after a carnival, but it was about 30 miles away from where I was. It's a very big city. And my mother saw it on the news, and she was worried that I might have got somehow caught up in it. Was I okay? And I said to her, Mother, we live in Londonderry. There is riots every day. I walked to school through stones and through tear gas and past army and police battling people. And you never said you were worried about that. <laughs> but all of a sudden, because I'm in London and you don't really know what I'm doing, you get worried. We do worry. And I think it's okay to be uh, concerned and to plan and to take precautions and to think about our situations. But it's not okay to be obsessed with fear and with worry for a Christian. And why is that? Because it's a terrible testimony to those who have no God. Just like the robin and the sparrow said that these human beings must not have a heavenly father who cares for you and I. Uh, so that was the conclusion, I think, that some uh, pagans would have about Christians if they saw Christians obsessed and overcome by worries and concerns as if they didn't have a father who cared for them and loved them and who took care of them. So the first part of the scripture says, do not be anxious about your life or about your body because your heavenly father knows that you need these things. And then he goes on to say, uh, consider the birds of the air, for they don't toil and they don't spin, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Do you know there are some birds that need to eat two times the amount of their body weight every day just to survive? Imagine if you had to do that. It would be kind of challenging. And of course, they have to build their own nests, and some of them migrate uh, long distances. It doesn't mean that the bird just sits there and waits for the Heavenly Father to show up with the food. Of course, the birds will have to get about nature and look for the provision that God has given them. But they cannot really plan much beyond the day that they're given. They have to get up every day and begin to look for their food. And they do that. And they, they just trust that God will be providing the opportunity for them to take care of things for themselves. So we can learn from the birds of the air. And then he says, and consider uh, what you are to wear. Consider the lilies of the field. Um, they do not toil and they do not spin. And yet your heavenly father makes them more glorious and beautiful. Even than King Solomon, who was perhaps the richest man in the world and had a whole economy behind him to make him look as, as handsome and as elegant and as fashionable as he ever wanted to be. And yet Jesus says, even Solomon in all his glory was not dressed like one of these grasses of the field, which is here today for a short period of time, and then its life is over and it's burned in the fire. But so these are arguments, really, Jesus is making from the lesser to the greater. If he takes care of a bird, which is less than a human being, then he'll take care of you because you're greater and of more importance to him than even that bird. And if he takes care of a simple flower in the field and makes it clothed beautifully, then he'll take care of you because you're more important than that flower of the field. So it's an argument from the lesser uh, to the greater. 
I remember once when I was back in college, this is in London again, in the 70s, in my early 20s. But if you know anything about the 70s, the fashions were just terrible. The clothes, look, have you ever, ever gone to a 70s party? I mean, the clothes were horrible. They were just contrasting colors and patterns, and uh, people looked really awkward. And I had very long hair back then, very curly hair, but it was just unruly and misplaced. And I, I know that I looked like a mess. But one time walking around the center of London, a very smartly dressed lady came up to me, very professional looking, and she gave me her business card. And she said she worked for a model agency, and I was just the kind of person they were looking for. Now, I know what you're thinking. I wasn't surprised either. <laughs> but she said, you're just the same kind of person. I said, oh, really? Okay, well, wh why is that? She said, well, because we're doing this whole series of before and after makeovers. <clears throat> and, you know, you, you would fit in very well to that scheme. Well, I didn't, I didn't follow up with that, but maybe I should have. Um, but, you know... What does it matter about being obsessed with the latest fashions and, and getting expensive clothing and, and worrying about our dress? Yes, you know, take some care. Look at yourself in the mirror before you come out in the morning. You know, be, be nicely dressed and be efficiently dressed. Take care of your family in that way. But don't let your life be ruled by these things. This is what Jesus is saying. The person who is full of worry and fear and has so many cares on their life, obviously does not have a heavenly father who cares for them and looks after them. So now we move on to uh, another passage of Scripture from uh, Philippians, if we can slide forward to that. Uh, this is where we come to in a moment. We're going to bring it to a time of prayer. But uh, Paul says to them in Philippians, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Paul is saying to us that there are three things that we can do when we feel anxious. We can come into God's presence through prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. I take prayer here to mean just simple conversation with God. We can bring God into the conversation of our cares and worries about ordinary things in life. Nothing is too small for God not to be concerned about it. And if it's worrying us, then he's, he wants us to talk with him about it. But it's conversation with God about things that are distressing us. Uh, petition. I believe, are specific requests that we make. And you might want to even write down the specific things that you're praying about. It can help you uh, to take your focus off the problem that is making you worried and, and anxious and put your focus on the God who can provide and care for our needs and who already loves us and already wants to give us good things. So, Petition, then, is being much more specific. One of the problems with anxiety is it can be, be coming at us in a very vague and general way. And we, we don't understand quite what is the problem and what am I worried about and, and what, what, what can I do about it. But the more we spend time in God's presence 
and change our focus from ourselves to God's point of view, then we can come down to a point where we have uh, specific things that we can write out to God in petition. And then most importantly is thanksgiving. Because instead of focusing on the things in our life that we don't have and that we're worried about and that seem to be wrong, why don't we spend time in thanking God for the things that we do have? The ways in which God has showed up and has blessed us and the times when there have been victories and when there have been healings and when there have been answers to prayer in our life and where God has done amazing things in our life and in the world around us. Focus on the good news instead of what the world wants us to do is just to focus on the bad news. That's why he said earlier in this passage that if your eye is good and looks at the world in the way that God wants to see the world, then there'll be light in your life. But if your eye is bad and you focus on the wrong things, there'll be darkness uh, in your soul. So he says to us, um, give thanks in all things. We should be people who share several, many times more thanksgivings than we do in our life then we do share about the worries and concerns. If we do that, there'll be a greater balance in our life as we take things forward. So I'm going to finish with prayer. And uh, if you can put the next slide up, which is a prayer, it continues on uh, uh, for another sentence. But I'm going to ask you to do something with me as we pray. Um, and you can do this by remain seating, seated. But if you open your hands, and uh, you make a fist, well, actually, make a fist to begin with. So this is the way people are, some people are, when they're so full of fear and anxieties and worries. Um, they're tight, they're clenched up, they're, they're controlled, and they're, they're full of fear. And prayer is something that helps us to release that to God and turn it into His presence and turn it over to him for his care and for his protection. So as we pray this prayer, and you have to think about specific things that might be a worry, of an anxiety, a fear to you, or even just the general sense of anxiety and fear that you might be feeling after all this, this year of COVID or just particular things that are going on in your life. But as you name these things and think about these things, I want you to gradually open your hands and imagine that you have sand or water in your hands and it's gradually trickling out. And it's falling from your hands maybe into the hands of God who is able to take that burden and that care and he's going to deal with it and take care of it for us because he is our heavenly father. So let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you that I can come to you always for any reason I am grateful that when I pray to you, you answer me. Help me to come to you at the beginning of my fears. And anxieties, instead of waiting until I can't stand them anymore. The quicker I come to you, the better. You want me to be free from all my fears. Help me to look to you for help every time I feel anxious, worried, and afraid so that I can be radiant with your peace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
this has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.